Welcome to this episode of Revolution and Ideology. I am Nick. I'm Jared. And in this episode, we are discussing the apocalyptic themes from the 2019 film Godzilla, the King of the Monsters. I want to ask you a very specific question. So we we consume, obviously, a, a, as much media as, you know, the average, like, modern person or whatever. And so, some of it's good, some of it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do like the apocalypse, which is why we're on this theme right now um, in terms of, like, thinking about it and watching it. Why of all of the apocalyptic films or literature or games or whatever we could, why did you choose this steaming pile? I am curious because this was, this was bad. The only reason at all was because we had just done an episode on, um, Kapeva's article about killing humanity and anti-human and anthropocentric themes in apocalyptic media. And she used this as an example in her chapter and so we said in that, after we d- recorded that episode, we said, hey, let's watch that movie and we'll do an episode on that. Uh, little did I know that it was a terrible, terrible film, but here we are. We're here though to situate its general narrative within the recent phenomenon of um, apocalyptic um, obsession, for lack of a better term, in modern American film. So, um, And like, we really only want to talk about Related to Kapeva's article and her paradigms of anti-human and humanistic and anthropocentric, etc. Um, we're not going to go through all of the things that we discussed in that episode. So watch that episode first if you want right. to have all of the language that we use there or read the chapter or both. But I'm going to try to sum up the plot of this film <laughs> for our viewers or listeners that have not seen the film. And this is where I was like taking notes as the film, I'm watching the film so I could have like this summary of the plot. And I'm just like the whole time cringing, like, this is terrible. But here we go. This is my, as short as I could make this so that we could at least have this conversation. There's a scientist. Her name is Emma Russell. I'm going to fly through this. There's a scientist whose name is Emma Russell, and she teams up with an eco-terrorist named Alan Jonah to awaken the monsters that are called Titans. And these are like, Mothra and Godzilla and others, right? And they are all hibernating. They are going to wake them up because she believes that they are the Earth's natural defense system against humanity, which is a virus killing the Earth. The Titans will kill enough human beings until symbiosis exists again on the Earth. So that's the One exciting, like, that's pause. what's happening. One real yeah. quick pause. Can we talk about how offensive the term eco-terrorist is to me? Why? I don't know. I hate it. I hate the fact that anyone that is willing to do what it takes to like save literally the planet is considered a t- like it's just it's ridiculous. Anyway, you know what? Yeah. We don't even. I don't want to get a sidetracked, but it did. It it it. it it's one of those. Um, well, I mean, in this case, them, they're wiping out half of humanity, so I think it might be warranted. I don't know. Like, I mean, but that's an ethical are... conversation for another time. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's a microaggression. Damn it! All right, all right. Moving forward. Moving forward. All right. Okay, so while this is happening, there's another group of human beings that are the military and Emma's ex-husband that are trying to stop them from doing this once they figure out that it's going on. Emma and the terrorists awaken Monster Zero, who is King Ghidorah in like the canon, whatever. Godzilla attacks Monster Zero and the military bombs them both with a weapon that deprives oxygen from anything within a two-mile radius. So they're fighting out in the sea Monster Zero and Godzilla, and the military bombs them. Godzilla is severely injured and retreats to his secret home, which is deep under the ocean near some massive source of radiation. It's unclear what that is in the film. They never explain it. So he can heal. Monster Zero is unfazed by the bomb, and they are all shocked by this. And then it's as a result of this that they discover he is an alien. So he doesn't actually need oxygen to survive. 
he's an alien that has come here from another planet. He's not an original Titan. So he's not one of Earth's defense system. And he is signaling all of the other Titans, Mothra and so forth, other than Godzilla somehow, that's never explained in the film, no, no, to destroy all of the humans on Earth. So he's not after symbiosis or saving the Earth. He's after the complete annihilation of the Earth. Monster Zero is. One more pause. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there was a cinema sins on this that we should have watched so we could like, oh, I, like... I don't know how there couldn't have been. There should be if there's not. I can't believe we skipped looking at that. I, yeah. bet, they, I bet cinema sins filleted this thing. All right, anyway, yeah. keep going. The military group gets a submarine and they go down to Godzilla's lair and they set off a nuclear warhead to provide him with an infusion, basically, of radiation so that he can heal faster and fight Monster Zero because they're like, oh, it's going to take years for him to like heal himself with his radiation. We're all going to be dead. What can we do? They basically blow up a nuclear warhead in the middle of the earth uh, <laughs> next to Godzilla so that he can have radiation and get better <laughs> more quickly. And he does. <laughs> Can we just talk about the fact that like the humans are like trying to save themselves and try and save life like they're the heroes, but they are dropping bombs that remove oxygen from like two mile radiuses and killing Mm -hmm. everything in sight and then like nuking like the core of the earth. Like I think we just stop and like the irrationality here. Yeah. So Godzilla does get better quickly and he again starts to fight Monster Zero with the help of the humans, though help is used loosely here because they don't actually do anything. They're just flying in the air watching, basically. (laughs) Um, And more importantly, Mothra, who is Godzilla's friend, helps uh, fight off the other Titans and eventually comes and helps Godzilla with uh, Monster Zero. Emma, in the midst of all of this, the scientist that started this whole thing, realizes her mistake in the middle of this chaos and ends up saving the military people, at least who's left of them, because many of them have been killed at this point, all her fault, by the way, and her ex-husband and their daughter who is with them. And by the way, she's a complete moron throughout the entire film. And it made me like viscerally angry, her plot line. But anyways, that's a whole other thing. Okay. Monster Zero in the she's middle the of this stranger fight. Things kid, though. She's the Stranger Things kid. So shout out. I, I guess. Watched that, but yes, she is. I hear it's good, but I haven't done it yet. Okay. Oh, it's not even that good. It's the same. Yeah, but whatever. Moving on. Moving on. Go. In the middle of all this, Monster Zero is actually basically victorious. He has Godzilla defeated. But Emma sacrifices herself to distract Monster Zero long enough for Godzilla to recover. And so she distracts Monster Zero. He like dro- puts his attention on her. Godzilla recovers while Monster Zero is distracted. But she dies. She sacrifices herself, which is fine. She deserved to die. And Godzilla's radiation levels at this point have increased to such an extent that he is now his own nuclear bomb. That's not how radiation works, if you were wondering, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> we're, in, we're in a film. He's enriching uranium in his body. You don't know. Yeah. Godzilla, with his new power, defeats Monster Zero. And all of the other Titans bow down to Godzilla, a la King of the Monsters, um, and that's it. The end clips during the credits show that the Titans themselves are regenerating the Earth's ecosystem. Roll credits. So before you get started on the critique, since you're leading this critique here, or not even critique, I should say, this mm-hmm. um, situating it within the apocalyptic um, functionality um, that we've gone over in other episodes. But before you do that, before you do that, Am I the only one? Like, you weren't rooting for Monster Zero? Uh, am I the only one that's ever watched this film that was rooting for Monster Zero? Well, I definitely at least wanted Emma and, like, all the other jackasses to die. They were out oh of control. Oh, my God. I thought the whole you thing was would have been rooting for Monster Zero with me, but I am apparently the only jerk in the room. 
oh my god, I was rooting for Monster Zero. I'm rooting for the meteor. Like, do you understand that? Like, <laughs> just mm-hmm. wow. yeah. Oh man, I don't think you're the only one. Yeah, that's not. But you were not unique. I, I don't mean, feel I was, like I'm unique. I, was I, I wasn't enough unique, to keep watching I the film. You were. I didn't have. I wasn't emotionally invested into anyone, any monster, any human being, anyone in the film at all. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. I didn't expect to be unique. I thought that you'd be all about Monster Zero. All right. All right. Anyway, moving on. Let's go. Anti-humanity. Okay. According to Kapeva, the her anti-human paradigm is defined by two characteristics. Quote, its idealized protagonists are non-humans, and the annihilation of humanity is not viewed as the ultimate tragedy, but rather as a morally justifiable and historically inevitable natural course of events. So those are two things. Let's start with the, the second one first. The annihilation of humanity is not viewed as the ultimate tragedy, but rather as a morally justifiable and historically inevitable natural course of events. So the reason that Kapeva talks about Godzilla, specifically this film, is because if you know anything about the story of Godzilla, in the first film and the prior films, Godzilla is attacking humanity. In this film, he is essentially defending humanity from Monster Zero. So the narrative is that humanity is a virus that must be destroyed. The doctor, Emma Russell, does say, and this is a quote from the film, humans have been the dominant species for thousands of years, and look what's happened. Overpopulation, pollution, war, the mass extinction we feared has already begun, and we are the cause. We are the infection. But like all living organisms, the Earth unleashed a fever to fight this infection. Its original and rightful rulers, the Titans, they are part of the Earth's natural defense system, a way to protect the planet to maintain its balance. But this part of the narrative that is anti-human, coming from Dr. Russell, is lost so quickly in this convoluted plot that I don't think that we can accurately say that this film itself is anti-human. Because it's basically like a blip in this chaos that's going on in this film. And she very quickly changes her ways anyway. I mean, not very quickly. It's an hour or something later in the film. But she essentially says, oh, my God, I made a huge mistake. We have to save the humans, right? Moreover, she stuck with that line of thought, then, yes, I think we would categorize this as an anti-human film. I was going to say, moreover, the main protagonist, Godzilla, is eventually on the side of the humans, is essentially trying to... Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you, you, you said off, off, off the air here that you also realize Godzilla is actually just correcting, more, more concerned with preserving the Earth from the monster, and the humans are just part of the Earth, fine. Mm-hmm. But still, Godzilla is more or less protecting like humanity as it exists now. Mm-hmm. And so it is not anti-human. Humans still kind of win the day, and there's hope yeah. there because Godzilla is protecting them. Um, so it's definitely in not the, an anti-human. Like, narrative overall, the annihilation of humanity yeah. is not framed as something positive in the film, except for that single quote that I just read by uh, Dr. Russell. Like, that's it. The rest of the film is saving humanity, right? That's their whole goal at least the human's goal, right? Right. But like I said off the air to you, like the plight of humanity in the film is really only like a subplot. Godzilla himself is like indifferent to the humans existing at all. He actually doesn't care. He's saving the earth from monster zero. He's not actually focused on saving humanity. He just as soon attack the humans if they were threatening the earth, if if Dr. Russell's story at least is correct. He basically doesn't even care about the humans existing whatsoever. He's purely only defending the Earth from Monster Zero, which is why he's attacking Monster Zero in the so first place. So he's choosing, uh, he's a, uh, humans are lesser of two evils between, of course, right. uh, 
when faced with Monster Zero. But if humans get out mm-hmm. of hand again, does this oh, like, yeah, he's door open? I assume. I mean, I yeah. hope so. I mean, I, there's nothing better yeah. than watching Godzilla destroy humanity. I mean, humanity mm-hmm. needs to go. I'm on board. See, like I, I'm, I found myself completely empathized with maybe not the scientist Emma Russell because she sells out, but like the other guy, what was this guy's name? Alan Jonah? Ah, yeah, I was oh, totally Alan on Jonah. board. Yeah. yeah, I was totally on board with that. I'm like watching these monsters eat humans. Well, so, there, so there's oh, been another great. Godzilla since this one. But if you watch to the end of the credits, which I'm assuming you didn't, I only went back because I read about it in an article. There's an after credit scene where he and his team buy one of the heads of Monster Zero and recover it. And then that, in theory, will lead to something in the future. Apparently that head is featured in the next film. I haven't watched it. I'm but, Team Monster, Monster Zero. I'm Team Monster yeah. Zero. The only reason that human beings are even in the film in the first place, like they don't even need to be there, honestly. Like they have nothing to do with, the only thing they do that's of any significance is when they bomb Monster Zero and Godzilla, and then when they go and save Godzilla because he's dying from the fucking bomb that they threw on, dropped on his head. If they had just stayed out of the way for the most part, then Godzilla and the other Mothra, et cetera, might have just defeated Monster Zero and like that would have been the end of the story. The humans basically don't even need to be in the film at all. The only reason that they're in the film is because of anthropocentrism, which Kapeva talks about extensively, right? So she says the uh, another aspect of the non-human uh, film is that it must have non-human protagonists, sorry, anti-human paradigm is that it must have non-human protagonists. Godzilla is certainly non-human, clearly. We could debate whether or not he's a main protagonist in the film. I mean, most people would say that he probably is, though I would argue that if it was truly that way, it would be from Godzilla's perspective and not from the humans. And I think it would be much more evident to all of us that the humans are basically, like they don't even factor into the plot really at all if the film was from Godzilla's perspective, other than when they bomb him, and they save him in his lair. That's it. Everything else is like non-consequential in the film that they do other than awaking Monster Zero, which is the inciting event for the entire film. That didn't yep. even need, if they weren't in the film, that would have never happened. Right. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned um, in your notes, at least that like, there's very rarely any of any genre of a non-human protagonist, right? There's very rarely right. um, films like you mentioned the animated ones. Mm-hmm. Um. Wally, I think you have here, which I hadn't thought of. Fantastic Mr. Fox, Monsters Inc. Um, it's rare. I, I'm trying to remember in a more non-animated film. I mean, we could argue the pig, the talking pig. Um, I mean, they're all oh, like babe. children's movies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they're all children's yeah. movies. Homeward um, Bound. I just thought of that. Yeah, Milo and Otis was a favorite of mine as mm-hmm. a kid. I really loved uh, that little pug. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, now that I think about it, though. And I haven't seen a lot of these films because they also are um, feces. Are any of the alien versus predator from the predator's perspective? I know they're never from the alien perspective because they're so mm-hmm. violent and whatever, but the predator is in theory like more human like, like they're hunters and crap. Are any of them from the predator perspective? I feel I've like never I've seen, seen one clips. of those films, so I don't know. Uh, I feel like I've seen clips where like you're literally looking through the predator's eyes and he's hurt and he's on his little wrist thing doing crap. No, that's I the f- first one. That's the very first Predator film. Well, but that's when he's hunting humans. There is later mm-hmm. ones where I know it's actually no, I'm not saying about saying The humans. scene where he's hurt and looking at himself and you can see it through his eyes, that's the first one. Uh, okay. But isn't there? Isn't he also like helping against the aliens as the aliens are more 
bad and he's i don't know maybe i'm wrong it, in the seen, i've only seen i haven't seen yeah. alien versus predator ones i've only seen predator 2 or whatever it's called yeah regardless okay in the comments correct us if we're wrong is the predator do we ever get a predator as the hero in those films i feel like i've heard that there is a version of those films not only as the hero but from his perspective specifically i do feel like there is one of those at least and i've never okay. watched it maybe for yeah i think there's one of those anyway it doesn't matter let's keep moving so anyways, I think that our point is, you know, in order to using Kapeva's framework, in order for this to be an anti-human film, it must, you know, present the annihilation of humanity in the positive and have non-human protagonists. Let's just say that it does have non-human protagonists and accept that Godzilla is a protagonist in the film. I do not believe that it actually views the annihilation of humanity in a positive light as something that's just natural and inevitable. I think that, you know, Dr. Russell says her thing for three seconds, but then the entire film is about saving humanity and the earth from Monster Zero, right? Like, that's it. Yep. So I actually disagree with Kapeva's use of Godzilla 2019 as an anti-human film. But I mean, we're being nitpicky here, right? Like, who she didn't do an entire analysis of that film. Her article is much more impactful than that. But I have notes here that I think what I think would make a truly anti-humanist film would require two things. Present the elimination of humanity as a positive thing, which is one of hers, but then another one where it would actually complete the annihilation of humanity. That meaning that human beings cannot win in the end. The only film I can, I'm sure there are others, people can leave them in the comments, but I think Don't Look Up, which we keep mentioning in this talk about apocalyptic media, is the only one that I think that gets close. And all of the humans die, but the film actually ends with some of them still alive on the uh, the other planet that the wealthy elite go to, right? Clearly, they're going about to get wiped out, but they're still alive. But they've at least lost, like, in theory, right? Can you think of others where humans actually all die off? Not in popular, like, Hollywood films. I'm trying. I'm not a huge anime head, but I know enough of it. I mean, I'm even trying to go in that direction and think of mm -hmm. some some of the bigger ones like you know the attack on titans and stuff like no i mean it's not i mean the humans are clearly like the here yeah so i don't know i don't know i i can't think of any off the top of my head then um, i have for a film to be truly non-anthropocentric it would have to have non-human protagonists which is one of kapeva's requirements and which i agree with but it would actually have to be from the perspective of the non-human protagonist and I can't think of a film that does that either, at least that is both apocalyptic and from this uh, perspective of a non-human protagonist. Can you think of any? So I'm, I'm going to go 80s style nerd here. And I don't know that they're apocalyptic, but I'm sure there's something in the lore of one of my favorite, like one of the OG animes way back in the day when I was a child is called Robotech. Anyway, it starts from the human perspective, but I actually think for an 80s like genre it did a pretty good job of trying to show the other perspective and eventually like get you to empathize with the aliens that are invading and trying to end the earth or whatever i think it did a good job mm -hmm. of that somebody that knows maybe a little bit more about this specific like lore of robotech maybe can can correct me the other one is actually of a similar it's also giant robots i actually think the transformers right are are, mm -hmm. are they not i mean is that story not told from their perspective mostly no you're right yep okay the other one that she mentions actually is like Lord of the Rings or um, Harry Potter. But like we talked about, I think in that episode that they're so humanoid that like the wizards 
and the hobbits yeah. they're basically humans for all they're intents humans purposes, with right? like hairy yeah. feet yeah like it's that that's 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 about it now that i'm on this anime kick though um thundercats are they they're humanoid oh, though, that's right? a good one yeah but they're humanoid right like i mean they're really yeah. just humans with like cat features right like yeah exactly yeah and it's not like apocalyptic but it doesn't have to be both those it's post apocalyptic right? the, i don't remember the origin yeah, they end up, man, I can't believe I remember this, but they end up either on Earth or another planet after like the end of it. And they're there to like resettle is like the origination story, to the best of my recollection. Oh, God. Now we need an episode on the apocalyptic narratives and the Thundercats. Yeah. I mean, I might have to go back and watch it. I remember the theme song. I'm not going <laughs> to sing it right now, but it was catchy. It was catchy. Okay. All right. So let us know in the comments if you can think of examples of uh, these types of films that we're trying to come up with. I guess they don't even have to be films. They could be any kind of media, right? Literature or whatever. We're just focusing yeah. on films in this episode. Yeah, that's it. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you really like that episode, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash revolution and ideology. I'm Nick. I'm Jared. Later. <laughs>